It's time for the only local show in St. George with the top guests, the hot topics, and the most compelling conversations. It's the Andy Griffin Show on KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Well, something bad is happening when you have a radio talk show and the phone lines don't work. So, Ali, if you can go ask Jeff, our engineer, to see if he can reset the phone lines again, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, call in talk show and no phone line. That that doesn't work very well. So hopefully we can get that uh, resolved. Kevin Lewis is scheduled to be on the program right now. Uh, unfortunately, again, our phone line was down. Kevin usually comes in. We decided with COVID-19 we're trying to be as careful as we can and have him come in uh, only when necessary. And uh, so we decided to have Kevin by phone, and uh, that worked out perfectly, except for one thing, the phone, phone line's not working. So what we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll get to that as soon as we can. Uh, as uh, our engineer works on the phone line, see if we can get that uh, get that fi- figured out. In the meantime, I've got a couple things that uh, I can spend a few minutes on, and uh, let's start the, let's start out with uh, something called emotional rights. Uh, and again, uh, hopefully, we get the phone lines working again because so, I want to get your take on this as well. Uh, we, we talked a lot yesterday about masking, and I touched on it shortly or, or briefly, rather. Uh, anti-social masking disorder. It's a new thing. I don't like that they put a label on it, or ASM or whatever, AMD, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but uh, I do like the idea that at least the medical professionals are starting to understand, and, and I hope Dr. Fauci takes this to heart. I know Dr. Blodgett understands this, uh, but th- there are a lot of people who don't feel like this is a real thing. But uh, when you put that mask on, things change. It's kind of like kind of like crowd speak studies have shown over and over again that you'll do something if you're in a crowd and the crowd is doing it that you would never in the world do if you were on your own the little crowd mentality well i i truly believe there's a mask mentality uh i i compared it yesterday to being uh commenting on facebook your name might be attached to your comments but uh and, and that might slow you down a little bit from speaking your mind so to speak but uh, truth be told is that, uh, you know, some people still do things without uh, without thinking there's going to be any repercussions uh, because they have a, have a mask on or because they're in a crowd uh, or, or something like that. And so a uh, couple of things that uh, I think have uh, come to the forefront with this anti-masking disorder, anti-social masking disorder. Uh, first of all, uh, you feel like your emotional rights have been violated. Emotional, or excuse me, physical rights and emotional rights have been violated. Uh, you're not allowed to, or you can, you can do it. You can express yourself emotionally, but the truth of the matter is, uh, nobody is going to get that for the most part unless you use your voice. And even then, sometimes the emotion isn't isn't really there. It doesn't quite uh, get it done. So, uh, again, emotional or physical uh, rights being violated. In the irritability and aggression, this is one that really comes to the forefront when it comes to comments online. And, and I'm not just talking about Facebook. I'm talking about, say, you read a story on one of your favorite websites, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, foxnews.com or desnews.com or one of, the, one of the blog posts that's out there for conservatives. Uh, you invariably have a troll that's going to be that he's, he's, his whole purpose in life is to sit there and make comments that will irritate you, that will uh, make you be more aggressive that will make you step out of your personality or, or your mindset and, and just get angry. And, and it's happened to me. It, <clears throat> one of the things I used to say, I used to play basketball all the time. I usually played two or three times a week growing up 
until my until my motorcycle accident and subsequent injuries involved with that, I played basketball all the time. And I was a true believer in the idea. Some people disagreed with me, but I was a true believer in the idea that your true person personality comes out on a basketball court when you're playing pickup ball with the guys. Uh, you find out the guys that are selfish. You find out the guys that are uh, kind of rude or mean. You find out the guys that are passive. Uh, you find out the guys that are ultra-confident and the guys that aren't so confident. It comes out big time, in my mind, on the basketball court. And uh, that's kind of what we're getting now uh, with people when they when they wear a mask. And you say, well, that's a good thing. Their true personalities are coming out. No, there's a thing called uh, uh, politeness, uh, uh, acceptance of others. And uh, so, you know, the, and by the way, Marty, I already tried uh, resetting that. You can keep trying it, but, uh, yeah, I, it, no, no luck with the engineer right now. He's, he's in Texas? Oh, you texted. Okay, sorry. Can't, headset on. Can't hear. Anyway, all right, let's, let's get back to the antisocial masking disorder. Uh, one of the things that has cropped up with people wearing masks all the time is a lack of remorse, lack of conscience, if you will. If you, can, if you do something and you can get away with doing it and you don't have to feel bad about it, uh, you're more likely to do it. Uh I see it. I mean, you can see it in the in the grocery store. People uh, are a little bit more terse, a little bit more rude. Uh, they don't mind stepping in front of you. And it's like, well, they don't know who I am anyway. I'm wearing a mask. Uh, consistent irresponsibility. That has been found over and over again, people being irresponsible uh, because they kind of figure, it, you know, it ties back to the lack of remorse. I, I think of the example of the shopping cart. I read a thing once, maybe you've seen this online, a little bit of a meme. It talks about uh, the fact that um, people, you find out the true character of a person on whether or not they'll return a shopping cart to the cart bin or to the uh, little gate things they have in the parking lot. If you're the kind of person that gets your groceries, empties the cart, and then just sits it next to the car and drives away, that says a lot about you. I really do. I really believe that it does say a lot about you. I'm not trying to be mean or rude. I'm just saying that uh, you find out a lot about person from the shopping cart. Uh, and then the last one in this list is recklessness. Uh, you know, wearing a mask tends to make people a little less careful when it comes to things like uh, just uh, dealing with other people and uh, dealing with uh, life and things. And so, um, yeah, Allie, if you want to go grab a mic, sure, go ahead. We'll have Allie come in here and talk a little bit about masks um, and, and the antisocial masking disorder. You know, still not getting the phone line. All right. Well, they're working on the phone lines right now, and hopefully we can get those uh, working uh, before too long. We'd love to hear from our listeners. We had, again, a couple of guests scheduled by phone today. Uh, at least one of those is not going to be able to be on. Kevin Lewis was going to be with us the first 15 or 20 minutes of the show unless we get our phone lines to come back around here shortly we're probably not going to get them uh let's uh let's bring Allie in though Allie Hamlet our news director Allie how you doing today hey I'm doing good thanks for coming in and hanging out with me a little bit uh well I say coming in you're in the other room still yeah. technically <laughs> but uh, I was talking a little bit about anti-social masking disorder uh now things are a little bit different uh, for you uh I don't know that people know this or not I don't know that we've said it out loud on the air but you already had COVID-19 yes, you had I, it back in in May, in May. Mm -hmm. so uh yeah. you are one of those that 
it's weird. I, I think I almost wish I were you when it comes in, in that regard, because I wish yeah. I had just gotten it over with. But so you might have a little different perspective on the masking up, Allie, because, I mean, you already had it. There's a, about a 99% chance you're not going to get it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so what is your, first of all, your attitude on wearing a mask for yourself? Well, I know that when, when I was in touch with the health department, uh, after I'd been diagnosed and it was, you know, I was finally cleared to go out in public again. But I remember them saying, um, but still wear your mask. And I thought that is so weird because I've already had it. You know, I'm not going to not going to spread it. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of feel like um, almost like they wanted me to wear it uh, just for the look of it, you know what I mean? Like, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, I'm out in well, public, I should that, wear a mask. Isn't that part of it anyway? I mean, yeah. I don't know that masks are technically as effective as everyone thinks they are. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you see everyone else wearing one might give you a little bit of peace of mind. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you do look around. Like, I went shopping. I was at Costco yesterday, and everybody was wearing a mask, you know. And uh, I... I don't know. I have really mixed feelings. I have to be honest with you on that because it is kind of nice in a way to see everybody coming together and just, you know, wearing their masks and saying, hey, I'm, I'm you know, going to do my part. And in some ways that's comforting. In another way, it's like, you know, are, are we really supposed, I mean, do we really need to be wearing masks like maybe, all the time? Maybe you should have a sticker that says, I've already had it yeah. or, or something. I've thought of that too. <laughs> like, like I voted, only I already uh-huh. had it. I've already had COVID. Yeah, and so I don't know, but yeah, the whole fact that they asked me to wear one still, I, I just, you know, and then I had someone, I had a nurse even say, you know, um, well, you could get it again, it's like a cold. And I don't think she really knew what she was talking about, because I, I think it is fairly rare. I mean, how many people have had it again, you know? Yeah, so. I, I think we found maybe three cases in the U.S. that had it mm-hmm. twice. Yeah, uh, and they they managed to do a story about it on the national news, but I think it's a pretty mm-hmm. pretty rare thing. Hey, good news! The phone lines look like they're fixed. Oh, Ellie. that's wonderful! So I'll let you go then. I think I think Kevin Lewis is with us. Kevin, you there? I'm here. How you doing, Andy? Oh, thank you. I'm sorry about the phone line. Say, Allie, thank you for coming on today and, and, and helping me uh, for a few minutes. So, Kevin, um, it, sorry about the phone lines. It was uh, kind of a mess. We had it's actually been off and on all morning long, and I was really worried about this, but I thought. It, it was working as of like a half hour ago, so I was like, "All right, I think we're good." Turns out we weren't yeah. good. Yeah, that's a that's a good metaphor for life right now. Off and on, <laughs> all along, right? Two thousand and twenty, especially. <laughs> oh dear! Uh, I was looking at your website. It was kind of fun. Um, just to, I, I was going through the FAQs, the frequently asked questions that you guys have uh, yeah. uh, at the Zion Greater Greater, Tourism, Greater Zion Tourism Office. Some of them are, are, you know, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Some of them are like, yeah, that's kind of funny. Like, what's the nightlife like in St. George? Where can I buy alcohol? But those are real questions, I guess, you have to deal with when people come in from out of state. Seriously, yeah, yeah. People want to know what they can do, what's available, where where they can go, and that's that's one of the questions that we get asked quite a bit. When when we've, we've, and we talked about this last time you were on with me, but We've seen that uh, obviously tourism from out of the country, out of the state even, uh, at least from, from out of the uh, region, I should say, is way down. But it seems like the regional uh, tourists are way up. Is that accurate? Yeah. So, you know, we had a, uh, we had a, 
you know, significant downturn right at the start. The first two months of this pandemic, uh, April and May, were just disaster. Everything shut down, and including the national park and everything else. And then we we pivoted then and and tried to react and figure out where where there might be some opportunity. And and I think some of our um, reaching out, we we just started reaching out regionally, uh, and people who were, you know three, four, five, six hours away from here that were in different stages of lockdown or shutdown or whatever were looking for places where they could get a breath of fresh air and get out. And uh, and so that was sort of our message. We came up with a campaign called Find Your Space mm. and just utilized that messaging, you know, um, giving people just the opportunity to, to come here if they if they felt comfortable, if they were, you know, healthy and, and felt like they could get out and recreate a little bit. And it, and it and that seemed to work uh, quite well for us. Um, over the summer months, we had uh, really our, our tourism traffic was on par with 2019 numbers. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy when you figure you, you lost all of your convention business and all of your international business. Those are two major, major components. And a whole bunch of big uh, major sporting events, you know, went away. Right, right. Um, we did have some interesting things, Andy, to, that, that made some impact there, though. Um, there were uh, surrounding states that were on lockdown, and there were a lot of sports teams that were looking for places to play. They had tournaments lined up in other areas and whatever. And so, you know, through some conversations and some great help from um, our city facilities, they're, they're the ones who have all the fields and all of that. Uh, and in conversations with the event organizers, we were, were able to – suggest that they might be able to do something here as long as they, you know, lived to the, the protocols that our state was requiring. And, yeah. and, uh, and they did, they came and, and then what they, what we found from those groups is they were, they were thrilled with what they found here. And, and many of them have booked return tournaments. Um, uh, some of them in just in short, you know, a short time frame. They, they came in in August and they booked back again in October. And then they're booking back again in, you know, January or whatever. They're, 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 they like what they found here. So that, in a, in a kind of unique way, it, this pandemic may have opened the door to some other opportunities in the future. Um, we had, <laughs> I, I'm rambling a lot, Randy, so jump in here. Oh, that's okay. It's <laughs> fascinating. Me, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, it really is. It's really fascinating what happened to us. So here's the, here's an interesting bit of data. So in the month of August, we recorded the highest ever collection of transient room tax, which is really the tax, yeah the tax that people pay when they stay in a hotel. Yeah. Um, so so visitors coming to town, we had more transient room tax collections in August than we have ever had historically. Ever. Wow. Ever. Um, September and October, I don't have those numbers yet. It takes a little while for that to process, but the preliminary numbers show that September and October could be bigger than August was. Uh, they're, they're probably at least as big and maybe bigger. So to, to, to do that in the middle of a, a global pandemic is really on, you know, that's not happening in very many places. Yeah, um, we, yeah. we've really been, we've really been blessed that way to be able to kind of rebound and, and get back a little bit. We, we haven't made up the ground that we lost from April and May yet, but we've, we've made a, a nice little dent into it. 
the da- the downside, you know, this goes back to the phone analogy and that they're on again, off again. With the latest restrictions that have come out and the closures of, um, you know, city ball fields and, and things like that, uh, we've had cancellations from mid-November through December that are really going to have a toll again. We, we lost eight big sporting events wow. um, over the course of the, you know, a couple, two or three weeks in November. We lost about 16 conventions from November through December. And and so, yeah, so now we're back on the other side of that pendulum again where it's like, whoa, 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 are we going to be okay for the next few months or, or, or where are we at? Crazy, crazy place to be. Let me ask you this, Kevin. I had a, a caller call earlier this week, and they said, well, the reason that the numbers are higher now in St. George than they ever have been uh, in the five counties is is that where all these tourists are bringing COVID-19 here. Uh, do you feel like that's happened at all? So what I hear from the medical community is that the, the transmission is not from the big events. Um, what it, what it, where the transmission is, has been traced back to is the smaller family gatherings and the get-togethers, and and so I'm I'm not going to suggest haven't had some some impact on it because what they do is they bring people in for the uh, with their family and friends for dinner, right, or something like that. Right. Um, so there, there there's probably some level of that, but the event itself is not what's causing it. It's the relaxing of the you know protocols when you get back together with your friends and family. Well, and there's a lot of the, uh, I'm going to stay at Uncle Jim's house. You know, we're, we're here for the, the tournament. Let's stay at Uncle Jim's house or, or, or you know, Cousin Susan's house. And, and, sure. and that, that, of course, would increase the odds of that kind of thing as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's certainly got a multifaceted um, you know, dynamic to the whole thing. Um, we're just, yeah, we're just not in a good position right now, unfortunately. So uh, you talked about the cancellations in the next month and a half or, or so. Do you feel like that um, it's going to be a major impact? I mean, you were able to rebound like you were talking about, you know, August, the biggest month ever. Do you, do you feel like there's going to be a rebound, or is it all just come down to the numbers and, and the mandates? Yeah, it's, um, I, think, I think we're going to see in our county, there's two sides of the county, um, the, the national park side, uh, is going to do okay. Their numbers will conti- continue to be approximately where they have been, I think, which is on par with years, you know, in the past. Um, as long as the park stays open, uh, the park's been getting record numbers. The business there has been really good. Um, so that that traffic is still going to come. But with the restrictions and with people being told to stay home for Thanksgiving and, you know, don't do those social gatherings like you know, because that seems to be where the transmission is happening. Um, yeah, I think we will have some impact on the west side of the county. Um, family visitation, we lost those sporting events and everything. So I think we're going to get a, a little bit of a mixed bag over the next couple months. Um, we, we, we probably, and we're certainly not going to set the records, I don't think, anymore. We'll probably be below what we were in previous years in terms of overall uh, transient room tax collections and, and economic impact. But I don't think it will be as significant as March, or sorry, April and May were because things haven't completely shut down. And those tend to be slower months for us anyway. Um, December has typically been, you know, a, a kind of a down month. It's really the one month of the year that is kind of off here is December. And so, you know, tourism-wise, um, 
there's a couple of things that we have in the works that if they hold up, we'll probably stabilize that a little bit here. But um, but if those things cancel, then yeah, I, I think we might see a, you know, some some kind of uh, not so good numbers through the last part of November, December. You mentioned uh, when you were on last month that you had, there were, I don't know if layoffs is the right word, or you had to kind of downscale your staff a little bit. Are you back to, are you back to full strength again? Uh, so we, um, we ended up trimming back two full-time positions completely. Oh, wow. Um, our staff, uh, we did furlough some people over the summer and brought those people back at the end of the summer. Um, so from a, from the tourism side, we're, we're down two people from where we were at this stage. Um, there are other tourism entities that, you know, for instance, the, the Dixie Convention Center um, is, a, is a joint, um, you know, arrangement with the county and the city. And, and part of the city staff, I think, are still, um, they, they've been trimmed up because those are those uh, set up people, um, you know, custodial, yeah. things like oh, yeah. that. When, and when there's nothing going on at the center, uh, you know, there's nothing to set up. So, so they're still trimmed back on that side of it. But on the marketing and and event side, we've we've brought back all but all but two, and those two are, are, are more permanent um, decisions that we're gonna we're gonna continue on until until things really stabilize. Yeah, and that was actually that was actually my next question. Does that mean those are gone forever? Probably not. If we get some sort of normalcy back in, in the in the world, right? Yeah, I mean that that would be you know the hope is that we we return to kind of standard protocol <laughs> and our numbers look good and everything and then yeah, and they'll come back as there is a as a as a need for those positions but but we certainly won't you know won't be looking that way unless things change fairly drastically on the on the event front really the the convention and event front. He's Kevin Lewis, director of the Greater Iron Tur- Tourism Office. Uh, Kevin, sorry we lost the first half of your interview due to, due to phone issues, but uh, we look forward to uh, talking with you again next month. Absolutely, Andy. It's always good to talk. And, uh, yeah, stay safe and have, have some kind of a good Zoom holiday, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. It's time for the only local show in St. George with the top guests, the hot topics, and the most compelling conversations. It's the Andy Griffin Show on KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Welcome back. 935 now on KDXU. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in. I have Dr. Thomas Elioa. Did I say it right? Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. Dang it. I've been practicing. I've been trying, Doc. Uh, <laughs> Elioa. Yeah? There you go. All right. Uh, all right. Well, you know, uh, I, I have the, my name is Andy Griffin, and I've been teased about the Andy Griffith show my whole life. Uh, I don't imagine you get teased by any, about any TV characters, but I can't imagine anybody saying your name right the very first time they try it. Hey, unless they're related to me and have the same last name, it's pretty <laughs> unlikely. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, you know, with COVID-19 being widespread like it is, uh, that's a that's a disease that attacks your breathing, your lungs, and so uh, one of the uh, big things going on right now is that. Well, you know what? I'm going to let you talk about it. But Dr. Elio Ya is from the National Jewish Health Center. Tell us about what's going on. Yeah, so every year the American Cancer Society actually sponsors the Great American Smoke Out on the third Thursday of November, uh, and the the whole idea of it is to get people thinking about quitting and and start getting on their quit journey to to becoming smoke free. 
And that is tomorrow, by the way, folks. Uh, all right. And you are, well, first of all, the American Cancer Society, and, and you are part of this, uh, kind of uh, provides some tools to help. Uh, what are some of those tools? Yeah, so National Jewish Health actually operates state quit lines, and so we operate okay. the quit line out of uh, Utah as well so that people can access that by going to either waytoquit.org in Utah or they can call 1-800-QUIT-NOW, which is the national phone number, uh, where they can get started. And then they work with one of our coaches who will walk them through the process of kind of thinking about how to set up their quit plan, figure out what their motivation are is, uh, you know, what reasons they have for, for quitting, uh, and really get them on, on track, helping them set a quit date, figure out what they need to do to, to manage nicotine withdrawal, uh, often be able to we're able to set people up with a little bit of nicotine replacement therapy um, so that they can help manage those cravings and, and really put them on the success uh, path to success with quitting smoking for good. I, I'm fortunate in that I've never smoked, and so I, I can't come, come at it from a perspective of, you know, I kicked the habit or anything like that. But uh, the the numbers right now are pretty stagnant. We already knew the numbers about how smoking causes cancer. Now you find the COVID numbers are the number, the, the chance of you dying from COVID are, I think, 10 times more likely if you were a smoker. Well, we know that smoking attacks the lungs in some pretty significant ways and makes uh, respiratory infections much worse. And so... You know, if you're if you have something that um, you know that is making your ability to fight an infection and and uh, making your lungs more vulnerable to infection, with to something like COVID-19, uh, you know the the chances of you getting it, you know maybe it depends on whether or not you're being exposed to it, of course, but the likelihood of having a more case or a more severe case of of coronavirus infection are higher if you're a smoker, uh, and the chances of uh, of a poor outcome, so becoming severely sick or even dying, are higher for for people who use uh, tobacco or smoke tobacco in particular. So we really encourage people to to take this ch- uh, as a as an opportunity to get started on their quit journey. It takes a couple of times. It can take three, four, five, even seven, ten times. Uh, but each time is a chance to learn more about what it takes to really quit. And we know that the quit line can help. The, for people who try to quit on their own, fewer than about 10% will actually successfully quit. When somebody calls the quit line and gets started with our coaches and, and stays connected and uses nicotine replacement therapy, as many as 40% of them will quit for good. Boy, jump from ten percent to forty—that's a—that's a pretty big deal. Will you talk about the quit lines a little bit? Uh, you know, we we did a segment earlier today on a suicide hotline, obviously a very key number. Uh, and I'm curious, how many people reach out uh, in a quit line uh, like like you have? And uh, I mean, is it something that you know, if I'm having a problem, that that I'm readily, uh, you know, I want to do this, or is it something that you really have a hard time getting people to participate in? So every year, uh, hundreds of thousands of people use the quit line across wow. the country. So okay. they're they're available in every state. They're always free. So there's never a you never have to pay for the services you receive. Um, they're all paid for through uh, public health dollars. So the the state covers the cost for you, um, including that covers all of the coaching costs uh, as well as uh, whatever nicotine replacement therapy or other medications you might be eligible for the quit, through the quit line. Uh, so we really encourage people to reach out and and call that number get started they're they're able to um you know our coaches will walk them through the process of what it takes to to really get started on their quit journey if you're thinking about uh new year's as your uh the day that you want to be quit now's a great time to start get started on that process now so that by come new year's day you're ready to you're completely smoke free yeah that's uh, that's one of those new year's resolutions i think mine was to quit twinkies that didn't work out so well for me but i did i I did quit soda pop so I'm, i'm at least one step forward uh, again, we're talking with Dr. Ilioya 
from the National Jewish Health Center. Tom, I guess I'll call you. Are you okay to call you Tom or Thomas? Absolutely. Yeah, it's not, not a problem. I appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Ilioya is, uh, Tom is a PhD. Uh, I noticed on your bio it said you serve as a uh, tobacco cessation expert. Can you explain what that means? So tobacco cessation is, is the fancy way of saying quitting smoking or oh, quitting okay. chew or any other tobacco product. Okay. Uh, and I've been doing this for a while. I've, uh, I started out as uh, having to quit myself when I was, I was one of those teen smokers. Um, and once I started, you know, getting on my, my journey to becoming a healthier person, I realized smoking wasn't something that was going to stick with me long term. Um, and so I used medications. I, I had a, 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 back then I, I was doing my degree in social work. Uh, and so one of my roommates was also a social worker, was my counselor. He was my coach in, in helping me get started on, on quitting. Um, and since then, I, you know, I realized how difficult it is to really get through nicotine addiction. Um, you know, it's, it really gets in, you know, we, people who smoke and can smoke, you know, 10, 20 cigarettes a day, and each one of those can be, you know, 15, 20 puffs. So that's a lot of hand-to-mouth motions that people make. And so that's a hard habit to break especially when you've been doing it for 10, 15, 20, even 30 years. Uh, but the good news is that when people quit, they can, uh, they can reverse some of the damage that they're doing to their heart uh, um, and even to their lungs. Uh, they can reduce their risk of cancer, all kinds of things, all kinds of really good health benefits by quitting. Uh, so it's not just quitting soda pop and Twinkies. There's lots of different ways that you can uh, go about improving your health. Yeah, good, good point there. Uh, can, can we dig a little deeper on the addiction is – is cigarette smoking, is it the endorphin, is, you know, is it the, the, the good feeling you get? Is there a buzz involved? Is it uh, just to have, like you mentioned, the hand-to-mouth habit that you get into, 15, 20 puffs a cigarette, and if you, you know, smoke a couple of packs a day, that's a lot of hand-to-mouth motions. What is the biggest maybe thing that people are addicted to? Yeah, there's definitely uh, dependence is uh, on tobacco is twofold. There's the behavior of it, so that habit of, of the hand-to-mouth thing and having it after every meal or first thing in the morning. And then there's the physiological side or the, what's happening in the body and how it responds to nicotine. So usually people, when they first start, they'll talk about that buzz and, and how it's made them feel really good. And that's just the, the chemicals in the brain that get flowing as a result of nicotine, so dopamine in particular. That's the, the feel-good chemical. Uh, and then the brain learns how to use that long term, and it, it starts to depend on it just to feel good. Uh, and so then when people are trying to get rid of the nicotine, then they, that's when you start to get those withdrawal symptoms, like feeling really cranky and, and irritable. And, you know, some people will describe it as being the bear in the room, that they're, they're just kind of irritated all the time. Uh, but things like nicotine replacement therapy and slowly weaning down is a good way of uh, being able to get the nicotine out of the brain, help the brain reset. Um, and get it back to to what the baseline should be. Um, and when people do that, they they generally find their mental health improves, their physical health improves, they breathe better, they have more endurance. So lots of really good benefits that start as soon as somebody quits and and then continue to extend into the long term. I've had people, uh, friends of mine who smoke, who say, "Well, I'll get to it later. I, I got time. I'm not worried about that." What would you say to them? Well, the, the best time to quit is, is now. Um, you know, it's, even smoking occasionally, we know, can increase your risk of having a heart attack or stroke. And those are actually the number one killers of, of people who use tobacco. Really? Um, is, is actually having a stroke or a heart attack. And then behind that is, is things like lung cancer and, and other cancers. We know that the tobacco smoke uh, and smoking cigarettes in particular 
is just it's so damaging to the body. Almost every organ in the body is impacted, from your skins to your bones to your lungs to your heart. It just does real damage to the body. So the best time to quit is is now. Uh, and you know, there's there's lots of really good supports out there to get you started. So whether it's starting online and and checking out the online programs or downloading an app. Um, we definitely recommend you doing something to manage both the behavior and use a medication. When people do both of those together, because that's what, again, that's what tobacco dependence is, when you're, when you're treating both the, the habit of it and the um, medical addiction to it, then your chances of quitting for good are, are much higher. He's Dr. Thomas Ilioya. Tomorrow is the Great American Smokeout. One more time on those quit lines. How do we get, how do we get a little bit of help, Doc? Yeah, you can either call 1-800-QUIT-NOW, uh, which is, I think, 784-8669, uh, or in Utah, you can go to waytoquit.org. Waytoquit.org. All right, I'm going to write that down. Thank you so much for coming on today. All right, thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. i got to take a quick break. It's 945 on KDX2. We'll be right back with Eric Mitchell. We can find out what sleep in heavenly peace might mean. Good morning to you. Thanks for tuning in today. Had some phone issues at the start of the show. Those are all resolved, And uh, but uh, we uh, have guests uh, as well on the show. Eric Mitchell is with us right now. Eric, how's it going? Good. Good morning, Andy. Thank, Thank you, you for, for yeah. coming on today. been an interesting show. We went uh, from broken phones to tourism to uh, the Great American Smokeout tomorrow. Now we want to talk about, well, uh, poverty is kind of a, a, bad, uh, a bad word for it, but uh, Eric is with Sleep in Heavenly Peace. You want to explain what that is, Eric? You bet. And and thank you again for having having me on again, Andy. Um, My pleasure. So Sleep in Heavenly Peace, um, we're an organization that we are getting kids off the floor. There's 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 many kids sleeping on the floor in our community. That's and and let me stop you real quick. That that is actually really hard to believe. You think St. George? You think you know we have pretty pretty good prosperity here in this town and. Everybody's got a place to sleep, right? But that's that's not the truth. It's not the truth. We we've already delivered. We just went out uh, a couple weeks ago and delivered three beds to one family, and all three boys were sleeping on the floor in their in their bedroom. So, what a it was a great opportunity to to help these these families out. And there are many more that that need this help. So, um, we're grateful that we can get the the word out. Um, one thing I would say is if you know of anybody that that is having problems sleep and, and with don't have beds um, feel free to get on our website at uh, shpbeds.org where you or where you can request for another person or you can request one for your your own family if need be can you run us through the process now eric of what what happens you you get say you say somebody called here after we get off the air somebody called you or or, or filled out a form and said hey i know this family the one kid has to sleep on carpet remnants on the floor what then is the process for you so the request will come in to us um, via our website. Um, I'll, I'll get an email that will tell me that there's a request out. We'll get on there and review the request. We'll call you up and talk about the situation and get your information. Um, there, there are some um, forms that have to be filled out, indemnification mm-hmm. forms and whatnot, but uh, we'll, we'll get all that taken care of, and then we'll schedule a time to bring a bed over to your home or multiple beds. And you said bring a bed. Do you guys make the beds then? Well, so we, yeah, we, um, that's a good, good point you bring up. We, 
we rely on volunteers. This this is completely a volunteer organization. My wife and I are both volunteering. So you're not uh, getting rich off of this? Not Sarah? at all. <laughs> not at all. Good. Um, but we, we sponsor bed build days where we'll oh, have wow. a group of people, um, corporations, individuals. We'll have groups that will come in and sponsor a build. And we'll bring their people together. It's a great opportunity for people to get into service, um, to do some service opportunities. And we'll build these beds. Um, we build mostly um, just the rails and the headboards. And then mm-hmm. when we deliver them, we just assemble them there in the house. And we, okay. we give the, the families the complete bed. They get the mattress, ma- uh, pillowcase, you know, bedding, everything, which wow. you know brings up another point with the volunteer organization. Um, we do rely on donations. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you can, if you want, you can go out to Target. Um, if you go to their registry section, Underneath the the regular text boxes, there's a link that says "Search by organization." Hmm. You have to click on that, and then you just put "Sleep in Heavenly Peace," and and you can see our our chapter there. And you know, we'll take bed sets. They're, they have a bed in a bag, which gives them a bedspread, sheets, pillowcase, and everything. So that kind of stuff would be greatly appreciated from our community. And, and generally speaking for kids, you're talking about twin size. Anyway, twin right? everything so you're not going to be California. Yeah, we only make like twin that. size okay. beds. Yes. Tell us about the build day. Now, where, where do you guys do this? And if I wanted to volunteer and help with that, how would I do that? So we, um, right now we've done a couple of builds at, um, sunset pools and landscaping. Um, Jeff Norton over there is our, is on our board and he's graciously allowed us to use his parking lot. Um, if, if organizations um, or families want to do it, they can pick a location. I have all the tools. I have everything I can put in a trailer and bring to your home or to your business, and we can set up and, and have, have a build right there. And then uh, what was the other question? Uh, if I want to volunteer. How yes. Would, so yeah. to volunteer, you can, um, you can get on our website again. And um, there's a there's a link on there as well to, to volunteer and, and it'll take you in. You'll fill out the form and I, I'll get that request the same way I do the bed requests. So there's uh, I, I just called up the website right now. SHPbeds.org is the website. And uh, yeah, apply for a bed, stories and media. I'm guessing there's some pretty cool pictures on here too. Very huh? cool, and yes, we'd love to share some of that with with everybody as well. We we uh, we have bed delivery scheduled through. Uh, this next couple of months, it is difficult with COVID-19, mm-hmm. um, but we are taking all precautions. Um, we do want to get these kids off the bed, off the floors. Yeah. And so we're going to try our best to get those deliveries made. But but once this COVID thing is, is mellowed out a little bit, I'm sure we'll be able to clear that backlog and we'll, we'll have a need for many more beds. So. Can, can you tell me, Eric, how did you get into this whole thing? I mean, what I, I'm guessing, you know, you know, this has nothing to do with your professional life and, and what you did as a career. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, um, I, I just had a hankering to do something worthwhile. And, and I, I happened onto a Mike Rowe returning the favor program on Facebook uh-huh. uh, where he did a spotlight on this organization. Uh, they've been around since like 2012. And, uh, and it just touched my heart um, to, to see what they're doing there. And as I was wanting to make a difference, I gave them a call. 
and asked if I could help. And they said, actually, we don't have a chapter in St. George. And if you'd like to start one, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, that's a little more than I was expecting. But <laughs> I wanted sure. to help, not be in charge. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's been a blessing. It's been really fun. Um, we've, we've been able to change some lives. Do you, do you mind sharing a story or two about, about some of those lives maybe you've, you've been a part of? You bet. So this most recent one we went to, um, it was a family. They're living in a, in a trailer, and they've, they've got three young boys, you know, just and these kids are all just like your kids. You know, they're yeah. going to school. They play soccer. They're, you know, they're just getting by, and they, they're coming home at night, and they have nowhere to sleep. So we go in. You know, we went into this place, and um, this mom was extremely grateful and she, um, the boys were just ecstatic. We got pictures of them sitting on the bed with great big smiles on their faces. And it's, you know, you look at that and you think, you know, maybe one day uh, as a reward for this, <laughs> I don't know, one day you might meet one of those kids and, and realize that, you know, you helped them at that point yeah. in their life where they needed it. And so, yeah. Like going going camping is one thing, is sleeping on the ground, but when you have to do it every single night, it, it's just it's almost it almost boggles the mind, Eric. It does. Yeah. Have any other stories? Um, well, we uh, we went up to to Idaho when we um, originally got trained for the for the sleep in heavenly peace, and we actually got to do a bed delivery up there as well. And just I I, I guess the the best thing about it is seeing the the change that it makes on their on the people you know with their countenance changes they're mm-hmm. just so grateful and you know it's, it's just making a, a big difference we uh here at kdx we were involved in the national suicide prevention uh, also the utah food bank uh, we wholeheartedly endorse what you're doing eric i think it's an incredible cause it again it's kind of almost hard to digest or, or, or think that here in st george or here in washington county uh, there's kids that don't have a bed to sleep on. They can either crawl in bed with mom or, or dad or, or, or sleep on the, on the ground. And it's all, I'm like, wow, this is, is this really happening? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And, and, uh, there's, there's an opportunity for, for people out there to help with that. And we are super excited to be here and to be helping. Now, how many people are involved in, in the sleep in heavenly peace here in St. George? So we've got about eight members on our board, um, and and that's kind of our core group, and um, that includes you know just help for when we do bed builds if we need extra people and and deliveries and and all of this. But what we really like to do is take the volunteers with us. You know, we we go. Yeah. They help us make the beds. We take them on a couple of deliveries, and they get to experience what their service has done. When you say bed builds, can you be more specific about, are we cutting out, like, are we using, is it like yes. a wood shop or cutting out headboards and stuff like it's, that? It's raw materials. We, we go down to Lowe's and we pick up a whole load of wood. I put it in a trailer. We, we set up saws, sanders, hmm. drills, you know, drill presses. We have all the tools and, and it, we kind of make an assembly line, if you can picture that. And we'll start by cutting out the pieces that we need. And we'll assemble them as much as we can, you know, without putting the whole bed together. It's kind of hard to get a bed through a door right, <laughs> if it's right. all assembled. But um, we sand them down. We even have a dip tank where we stain the beds. So oh, okay. we, we, by the time we're done with the bed build, they, we have an uh, entire bed ready to, to be assembled. Usually we'll do about 10, uh, 10 beds 
five bunks, basically. Um, we did just recently do a, a, a build, which we call Bunks Across America, where we did uh, 20 beds. And so we have, you know, we have a bunch of beds in, in our storage right now that we're, like I said, waiting to get those delivered. We have plenty of people on our list that, that need those. And so, yeah, we're, we're excited to keep building more because we know that there's a huge need here. It's called Sleep in Heavenly Peace. He's Eric Mitchell. Eric, uh, again, one more time, Where if I want to get involved, maybe I want to donate some money, maybe I want to help you build, uh, maybe I want to be on the board or do, help however I can, where, where do I need to go? You go to shpbeds.org and get on there and just the links will take you to wherever you need to go um, to, you know, whether it's volunteering or donating bed sheets. Um, I would also mention that go out to Target if you want to go onto the registry on the very, you know, underneath all those boxes, there's a, a hyperlink that says search by organization. You can click there and put sleep in heavenly peace. That's another way. Looks like a well put together website, the SHP, uh, shpbeds.org. It is a national organization. They actually have a, a search function to find a chapter that is near you. And uh, I guess you are the St. George chapter. We are the St. George chapter. Well, thank you so much for your for your volunteerism and for your work with this. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think we sometimes need to peek under the cover and, and look at the dark side sometimes of our community and make sure that people are taken care of, whether it's giving them some food or dealing with some mental issues involved with them or as something as simple as making sure a kid, a 10-year-old kid or a 6-year-old kid or whatever, has a bed to sleep on. It makes a big difference for their whole day. You know, if a kid gets a good night's rest, yeah. they do better in school. They do better, you know, with their in their relationships. So, Eric, thanks again for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you, Great Andy. to talk to you today. He is Eric Mitchell from SH Sleep in Heavenly Peace. It's shpbeds.org. It is a national organization, but uh, you can hook, get right in there and find your local chapter uh, find a place to donate or uh, be get involved in sleep in heavenly peace. Make sure those kids have somewhere to sleep so they can have a good day. This has been the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Tomorrow is Mayor Thursday with Mayor John Pike joining me on the air. We'll talk to you then.